I'm so sorry, listeners. This is coming out much later than intended, and I all I can do is blame the holiday season and lots of busyness that crept in. So you're going to hear some outdated references to it not yet being New Year's Eve. So let me say Happy New Year, and please ignore those bits or laugh at them. Thanks. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Phil! Merry, merry, merry Christmas indeed, Laurie. And to you, listeners, also may I extend Yuletide greetings. Or yes. blessings. What's the phrase? Yuletide something or other? Yuletide... Uh, I don't know. I'm out of my depth already. Well, it's just as well, because also this is a bit late for a Are Christmas show. Are you feeling a little bit, uh, what's the word, overstuffed from Christmas food? I tell you, when I was in Northern Ireland, where my wife's family are from, I was very well fed over there. I had two steak dinners and two Christmas dinners as well, plus like a sort of uh, extra Christmas dinner that had like lasagna and chicken and broccoli. It's like you meant it, so, a world buffet or something. It, it was just so delicious, and I ate incredibly well. And people were incredibly generous to me. I got a new Nintendo 2DS, Phil, bringing out the inner child in me. That was amazing. I've been playing that, like, that like crazy. It's been good. And what about you? Uh, it's been a good Christmas, enjoyable. I particularly enjoyed the sausages we had this year. Do you notice mm. how massive they were? Compared? Yes, normally it's chipolatas wrapped up in bacon. Not this year. No, all out. No expenses spared. Yeah, it was absolutely delicious. And listen as well, we made some rash promises, or rather Phil made some rash on-air promises pre-discussing with me about... I was hopeful and optimistic <laughs> about Christmas, yeah. Getting uh, some extra Bailey family members onto the podcast for the Christmas special. But, you know, actually, as it turns out, our parents are in the middle of, like, moving house, and it's a family move, so there really was zero time. When everyone was here, it was more like, let's eat, let's open presents, and then let's sort through old school exercise books and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and try and be merry in between. It was a very busy time, and time, we're though. squeezing this in as well, because we want to make sure you guys have a little bit of a Super Bailey Bros treat just before yeah. the end. And that's why it's a bit late, so it's not really a Christmas special so much as a holiday special. Like a Super Holiday, holiday special. special, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, exactly. And in that vein, it's slightly formless and weird. (laughs) So what are we doing, Phil? We've done loads of little things for this week's episode. We are going to be doing our top five films of the year and maybe a quick chat on the films that we were not such a big fan of. Top and bottom of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And then we've also done a quiz to kind of round off the year with a bit of fun. And we're going to be talking through emails and tweets that you have sent the show. If you'd like to get your emails read out on air by Laurie or myself, probably Laurie, you can reach us superbailybros at gmail.com or you can tweet us at superbailybros. Thanks so much to all of those who've been getting in touch, especially about The Last Jedi. Loads yes. of correspondence about that. And so we're not going to include those emails, but we have been getting them. We've been enjoying them. And thank you very much well, for sending them in. rather like Rogue One, although not quite to the same degree, I think probably because our view wasn't as controversial, we have been getting quite a lot of well-thought-through emails with a lot of detail on Star Wars The Last Jedi. So we might do the same thing we did with Rogue One. Star Wars The Last Jedi, your emails. So you've got plenty of time. Send in your thoughts. If you thought it was brilliant, please defend the film. But if you agreed with Phil and I that it was a disappointment, then let us know as well. And we'll read out as many of those as we can in a little special soon. And do you know what, Phil? Like, The Last Jedi has really cast a shadow over this holiday, hasn't it? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you just haven't been able to escape it. It's a massive cultural event. It's, in some ways, it's even bigger than the other two Star Wars films because it's been so incredibly divisive. That is true. It seems to be there's a massive disconnect between critics and the sort of official opinion of whether or not it's a good film it and appears, the audience's reaction. Yeah. It seems very, very divided. And there's a lot of opinions about that. There's a lot of think pieces, occasionally slightly patronising think pieces about why that might be. So when we do that email special on Star Wars, we'll bring up that stuff as well and have a bit of chit-chat about it, yeah? 
Yeah, sounds good. Right. Anything else to say, Phil, at this juncture? Thank you very much to those who supported us on Patreon. Uh, you've been supporting us for a while, which is great. It's, it really helps us keep running the show, which is fantastic. And so thank you very much to those who supported us. If you'd like to support the show with a little bit of moolah money, moolah. then you can reach us at <laughs> www.patreon.com forward slash superbabybros. And I think for as little as a cup of coffee a month, you can support the it's show. It's along those lines, but there are fees on top as well. We actually had a Patreon sponsor. We know Phil get in touch and say, can I support you not on Patreon because Patreon, because of the fees and things. So mm, it's all a bit of a jumble, but like, you know, if you've got some crazy other scheme for us, not scheme, idea. <laughs> no then pyramid scheme, please. <laughs> please, none of those, yeah. Uh, then feel free to get in touch. But thank you, yes, very much to our supporters. We were thinking, incidentally, that we didn't mention it on the 100th show, that we were going to do T-shirts. Yeah, I think we might try and do one with my face on it and one with Laurie's face well, on it not with different hashtags face, so on the back. The little, not our actual faces either because no one would want that, but I'm talking more like the 8-bit versions. And like my one would say hashtag pixels, yours would say hashtag bros, and on the back it would have super belly bros. Does that sound like a fun t-shirt? I don't know. Would anyone ever wear it? Would you wear it, Phil? <laughs> I or, thought or about you getting one with my face on it. <laughs> no way, Jose. Um, I, I don't know. Some people like that sort of stuff, don't they? Well, I hope so. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. This isn't. It's certainly not a money making scheme. This, I can guarantee you that. It's more like it's more like rewarding the fans. That's yeah. I think, the do you pr- never approach. know if you can convince us that you deserve one or something? Then maybe we'll give you one for free or whatever. Competition time. Yeah. Anyway, look, that's a formless <laughs> idea. We need to get back onto you know the real hard stuff of the show. A very happy new year to you, also, listeners, because I think the next time we'll be speaking to you via this medium will be in two thousand and eighteen. And we might sort of start doing a bit of previewing at that point as well, because this is, you know, January, if you didn't notice already, listeners, is famously the month in the UK, certainly, where a lot of stinking films come out. You get a few Oscar contenders sprinkled in, but generally it's films that studios try and bury because, according to the market anyway, people don't tend to get out as much to the cinema. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, tighten those purse strings, try and lose a bit of weight, go to the gym a bit more. Exactly. Less eating popcorn and more running, running. So if the cinemas have produced an absolute dive bomb of a movie, this is the time to sneak it into the schedule. So we'll wait and see how that all goes. But to cover for that, we might do some previewing of what is coming up in the year ahead. But Phil, this is way too much intro rambling. How much are you going to cut out of it? I reckon 80%. (laughs) Do you think so? Yeah. I'm not sure. I've been cutting a lot less out recently. I think we've got better in the whole... Mm. Let's get on with the show and also thank you so much to all those who've listened to and enjoyed the 100th show. Really enjoyed hearing your thoughts on it and we enjoyed putting it together too. Is this officially the, the season three opener? Season or can we... three, no, no, no. episode <laughs> one. Read it back in. Let's just make this a holiday special. I feel like we should start better. You think it's a... Well, it's a, the Star Wars was 100B. So is, what is this, 100C? <laughs> yeah. Fine. All right. It's already saved as episode 101. Oh, no. Right, let's go. It's that time, everybody. It's the end of the year quiz. I have prepared one for you this time. Oh, I'm so. And I haven't told you the topic, haven't told you anything. And listeners, I think this could be a fun one for you to play at home. So, Laurie, don't answer too quick unless you absolutely know it. And what it is, is I'm going to give you the film title. You have to tell me the last line of the film. That's really hard, man. I think these are big films. You should be able to do it. Do you want me to write my own if, um, in case I get Yeah, I'm gonna, I think we played something similar where well, you, I had to guess yeah. the, uh, the, fr- the first line. Oh, that's right. I we did, did that this. Too, so didn't I took I? that and then I thought, I'll do the last line then. Uh, and what okay. I might do then is later on, I might give you the last line and you have to tell me the film. Challenge accepted, man. Let's okay. do this. So the very first one... The Usual Suspects. 
It helps, Laurie, if you chat a little bit so that listeners have something to listen to <laughs> while you're thinking. <laughs> and the thing this is, is the usual this is the real skill. Is, I know the scene. I know the scene. I'm just trying to think because there's a monologue, I think. Um, an internal monologue. Uh, I want to say, is it? I want to say it, but I don't want to spoil it. No, that can't be the last one. Well, if it's a real spoiler, you can delete it, can't you? If it's I not am Kaiser Soze. <laughs> That's what you're going with. Well, a little bit. Oh, I knew that was going to be wrong. The greatest trick the devil ever oh, pulled yeah, right. was convincing the, the world, world he, he did, did not exist. exist. Right, right. And like that, he is gone. Wow, there we are. Maybe it would be better, actually, if you played the clips <laughs> from the movies, <laughs> rather than having me read them out in this most dramatic way I can. If we can find it, fine. Okay, this one I think you'll be able to get. It's Some Like It Hot. Oh, uh, yes, I do. And I can't remember the actor, but it's spoken to Jack Lemon in the boat. And uh, nobody's perfect. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. One point to Laurie. Well that done. That is what a film that is. That's brilliant. I think this one again, Casablanca, you'll be able to get. Frankly, my dear. Oh, no. That's <laughs> Gone with the Wind. <laughs> that's the one which is next, uh, man. Oh, no, really. <laughs> Actually, it's not uh, that quite. Well, we'll always have. Par- no, to- <laughs> What's going tomorrow on? is another. No. <laughs> Uh, I thought for sure you'd I'm get it. We'll always have. Everyone's um, laughing at you now. <laughs> well, we'll always have Paris, isn't it? Um, no. What does he say? Oh, start of a beautiful friendship. Indeed, Lewis. Oh. I think it, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> oh man, they all come in a jumble in my head. I can the see thing the thing is, is you're mixing just famous lines. No, but we'll always have Paris. That's Casablanca. Yeah, that it? is Casablanca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe not. not tom- maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But soon and for the rest of your life. Brilliant. Yeah. There you go. What about this one? A family classic in the Bailey household. Mm. Back to the Future. Which one? The first one? Yeah. Uh, okay, okay, I'm picturing it now. Uh, back to the Future. We've got to go Back to the Future. No. What's You're not doing well at this one. That's all. not right. I'm so he pleased. He gets in the car. And he oh, says... No, where we're going, we don't need roads. roads. Where we're going, we don't need Woo. roads. They always come to me like a second too late. <laughs> what, <laughs> no, when no. I've told you the answer? No, come on. I, I got that. Come on, you, you did get that. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll give you half a point now. Uh, and I'll give you the point. I'm, uh, I'm kinder than you are. Okay, this is a tough one. And I think... I'd be, inter- I'd be really, really mad respect if you get this. Okay. It's The Matrix. Okay. He's on uh, the oh phone. No, I know this one. Hold on. Um, he's talking to the, the Matrix and he's saying, I'm going to show them a world without fear, a world without you. Is that it? Bit more. Oh. Oh. What is the final? Um... And it's not, come on, by Racing Machine. <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't count. It's what does Neo say at the very end? Oh, I'm, lo- I'm lost. I thought that was it, A World Without You. Um, that, is, that is in there towards the end, but it's not the last line. And then he flies off. I'm going to show them. No, I can't. What is it? It's hit me. Where we go from here. Up to you. It's a choice I leave to you. That's a, that's a worse last line than the one I said, I think, isn't it? Because he says, I'm going to show you a world that, that you don't want me to show you them, and blah, 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 blah. I'm going to show the world without you. Full yeah. stop. Fly. That's better, isn't it? <laughs> well. Get on the board to the Wachowskis and tell <laughs> them that they messed up. What a great film that is. Okay, another one of your faves, and I thought I'd throw it in there because, you hit know, me, you love it me, so hit much. Me, hit me, Alien. Alien. Yeah, okay. Okay. Oh, <laughs> is that to be... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's what she says to the uh, to uh, the big one say? in Aliens. Oh, no, I can't think at all. This is Ripley, last survivor of the Nostromus, signing off. Okay, yeah, right, right. Um, what about the Dark Knight? Dark Knight. Um, uh, something by Gary Oldman, probably. <laughs> is it? Is it him, Commissioner? Gordon? Yeah, he's yeah. chatting away, and something Batman's about Batman's running Batman's away. Batman's the most amazing guy in the world because he's so dark and serious. 
uh, that's probably what it is that's probably what it means um, does he say something on the lines of he'll be there it's not the hero we don't deserve rubbish is it yeah it is. is that the one he's not the hero it? we deserve um, not the hero we deserve he's the hero we need or something like that yeah yeah and then it says something about how he's going to hunt them well you can finish that off I don't, I don't really want to know we will hunt them down because he can take it because he's not our hero He's a silent guardian. You put the actual clip silent in. Silent guardian. Guardian. <laughs> put that in the blueprint. Is that so. what it is, really? He's a silent guardian. <laughs> silent guard. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector, a dark knight. Dum 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 dum. dum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the kind. Of, it sounds like the kind of thing someone would come up with. Off the thing the top is, of their it's diff- I give you that one. That that is a very hard line to listen to because there's the music in the background. <laughs> so most people don't really know what he's saying. He's bum, just sort bum, of babbling bum, something. Bum, bum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Thanks. Uh, what about the social network? What is that's the last tough, line Not of about the, the social network? Ooh, I'll give you the scene ooh. and I'll give it to the listeners as well so they can remember it. It's Rashida Jones. She sat in the little office with him. Yeah. yeah. And she says something to Mark Zuckerberg. And then she says, then she leaves, and then Mark Zuckerberg's on the computer, and it's what she says to him. Is that the one where she says something like, um, you're not a nice guy, paraphrase? Am I wrong about that? Something like that, yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's not because, is it Rooney Mara who says, oh, you, people, you're going to think people think, don't like you because you're a geek. Actually, they don't like you because you're a jerk. That's her, isn't that it? That sort of thing, yeah. Rashida, Rashida Jones basically says that. It's something about not having any friends. Oh, oh man. I don't know. Tell I'm me. I'm enjoying watching you kick yourself so the much. The thing is, I know, I know exactly the kind of thing it is. What is it? Hit me. You're gonna have to bleep this one a little bit. Okay. You're not an asshole, Mark. You're just trying so hard to be. Wow. Ouch. Okay. Nice, easy one. A classic Chinatown. Uh, this is Chinatown. Is All it not? close. I it was ex- Chinatown. It was China. It was China. No, it's <laughs> forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Yeah. Right. I remember the scene. I think I'm doing quite well, personally. Okay, what about uh, one which you probably haven't seen, but lots of people have? E.T.? E.T. Oh, I haven't seen it. I know, you should know it, though. It's, it's in the zeitgeist. It's not Phone Home, is it? <laughs> phone Home, that's no. the last, like, Phone Home. <laughs> it's sort of uh, like that. No, what is It's in the zeitgeist, did you say? Yeah, cultural um, zeitgeist. Is it really? Well, still people know about it, don't they? Am I using that word right? Yeah, no, you are. I don't know, Phil. Hit me. I'll be right here. He points at oh, his little glowy heart. heart. Yeah. Is that the last one? Yeah, apparently oh. according to Google. I've not seen the film. Phone home wouldn't make any sense, would it? That's a good point. That's what incites the whole thing, isn't it? It'd, <laughs> it'd be more like, phone me later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll chat, okay? I've got minutes on my phone plan. Yeah. We'll catch up, don't worry about it. Right. <laughs> That's E.T. Good. calling his mum, that'd be a good little sketch. <laughs> be good. Uh, what about Spider-Man? You gave me this one in the intro, the first line. Did What's I? the last line? Wherever I go, uh, he's, it's when he basically. It's like your Tobey Maguire Well, in that particular moment, he's he's walking away at the gravestone, uh-huh. and um, who I am, uh, who am I rather? Uh, da, 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 I don't know. He doesn't say I'm Spider Man. I don't think. Oh, you're smiling like that is what he says. I'm just interested. Um, I'm enjoying this very much. Mary Jane goes <gasps> and turns round at one point as well. Um, because the lips she's felt on her face are the lips she's felt before. Mm, yes, that's what it is. But then at the beginning of the next film, she doesn't know. So <laughs> it's a slightly w- wasted moment. Phil, help me, man. This is my gift, my curse. My curse. Who am I? I'm Spider Man. He does say I'm Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's no. why I was loving it. All right. Okay. All right. What about Iron Man? Oh, I haven't seen that film in a really long time. He's at a little reporter's thing. He's about that to give probably a statement. Some, probably something uh, along the lines of, hey, Pepper, I'm so great and cool and funny. Or uh, maybe... Um, <laughs> 
Get that, Jarvis? Or maybe, uh, hey, fetch me some champagne. I don't know, Phil. Think about it. He's gone to tell the world that he isn't Spider-Man. And what does Tony Stark do? He the goes truth to is, do a press conference. Does he? I am Iron Man. Yeah, the truth is I am Iron Man. That's interesting. Nice bit of symmetry there. What about Casino Royale? Really easy one. I am James Bond. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much is. <laughs> James Bond. Know, know. It's because he's tracked down Mr. White, is it? Yeah, Mr. White. Yeah, he's, yeah, like, yeah. Bond, the leg James or Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this one's a slightly different. I'm going to give you the last line. I want you to tell me the film. All right, okay. When people ask me if Michael Sullivan was a good man or if there was just no good in him at all, I always give the same answer. I just tell them he was my father. Do, do, do. Have I seen this one? Definitely. Michael Sullivan... I always tell, was he a good man? He was my father. Um, Michael Sullivan. Is that not <laughs> thinking Monsters, Inc.? I think it is. <laughs> Sully. He's sort of got a kid in the movie. That's Monsters, Inc. 4 or whatever. Yeah, I don't know, Phil. You've hit me there. It is Road to Perdition. Never Tom seen Hanks. it, mate. Oh, I thought it. you would have done. You can edit that out then if you don't want to see it. No, it's all right. Uh, I've got two more I'm going to do, and then I'm just going to give you the last line. Oh no, it wasn't the airplanes, it was Beauty Killed the Beast. That is Kong, is it not? Uh, the King Kong. The, yeah, King uh, Kong. Jack Black one. <laughs> you James Bonded it. It's <laughs> Kong. <laughs> Sorry, it's because the most recent one is Kong Skull Island, so no. I've forgotten. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. don't use that line at the end, do they? Not in Skull Island, no. It, they do in the original King Kong. Yeah. Mm. And then the last one. I I'm know, because gonna... in my newspaper review, I said, uh, Twasn't Beauty that killed the beast, it was mediocrity. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ouch. Zing, zing, Uh-oh. zing. And the very last one, I'm just going to act it out a little bit. And then you need to tell me what the film is, okay? Okay. Remember. Oh, remember who you are? No. Is that Lion King? It is the Lion King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well nice done. acting. I didn't realise that was the last word. That's what it says, according to Google. So no. Yeah, I think it's in the echo. He's looking up and remember. it's like... Remember. Yeah, it's a good little <laughs> moment. I didn't think there was that. I, I can't remember. So I'm not sure what your score was. Is I think I'm going to give you like... <laughs> I mean, there's lots of singing. Like, <laughs> lots of animals yipping and yapping. Yeah. But I think I'm going to give you three out of whatever it is. That's that ridiculous. Did. I did way better than that. <laughs> well, you, you could know toss I them up later. <sighs> hey, listeners, tell us how you did. Okay, no more chart music for this particular segment, even though it would be totally apposite, Phil. But let's do our top five films of 2017 and some worsties. Mm, indeed. Now, you've already done this on the radio, haven't Twice, you, Twice, yeah. And I was on BBC Oxford and BBC Berkshire. And I took... Uh, what's the word... I was quite aggy with you because you're you... You're quite what? Aggy? Yeah, like, I, I don't know what it means. Aggy? <laughs> yeah, How aggy, like, that? A-G-G-Y. That is not a word. Like, you're a bit aggressive and, like, I got I got annoyed at you, basically, because you put <laughs> so Paddington weird. Bear 2 as your number one film, yeah, and I do not believe that is your top film well, you're of giving the... away the game right now to for the film nah, of the year. Well, I'm trying to dethrone it so it doesn't end up on the top of your list, because I don't believe you, Laura. I don't believe that that's your number one film it is. It is of my, the whole of 2017. Film of the year. It is. We can come to it later. But, listeners, because Phil and I are both here and we never agree on anything, it would seem... Uh, we're gonna, there's going to be more than five films so when I give my top five you give your top five we did this bit with the Disney thing as well and whenever the film gets its intro we'll play the trailer talk about it and then the other person can jump in happy? okay cool so for, should I go first? yeah alright <laughs> you sure? yep um, these aren't numbered the only thing that's numbered is my number one they are five films but they're so different <laughs> I don't feel like well, don't look at me like that so I'm just going to start like this Jackie you'll have to share something personal eventually people won't stop asking until you do and if I don't, they'll interpret my silence however they want. Her brow furrows. Her lips are drawn. She holds back her tears, but she can't hide her anger. 
Most writers want to be famous. You want to be famous? No, I am fine as I am, thank you. You should prepare yourself. This article will bring you a great deal of attention. Oh, in that case, any advice for me? Yes. Don't marry the president. <laughs> Are you afraid I'm about to cry again? No, I, I say you're more likely to scream. Scream what? My husband was a great man. Listeners, I thought this was wonderful. It was unique and it was very powerful for me. But at this point, I was going to lots of different film screenings and I was getting used to seeing films all the time every week and some of them chained like one after the other. And it's quite rare for that reason that a film really makes me pay attention and sit up and feel like, wow, what did I just watch? Jackie was that film. I was really impressed by its power, by the innovation and the boldness of the style of the filming. Like it, the cuts were not frequent. The camera was loose and it stuck to Jackie. Natalie Portman's performance was kind of impenetrable and at the same time it like invited you in there was so much about it that was working that I was just bowled away by it and of course bowled over I think is the phrase Mika Levy's score I thought was astonishing and amazing as she did Under the Skin she got Oscar nominated for this her second cinematic score richly deserved can't wait to see what she does next if you haven't seen it yet you simply must it's one of my top five of the year I think I'll have to concur with you on that. I think that would be in my top five really? of the year as well. I couldn't believe how impactful the film was. I I was kind of dumbfounded about what it was saying. And, and I just had to spend a little, little bit of time after the film to really process it and try and get my head around what, yeah, what I'd seen. It was a really, really impactful film. And I think Nancy Portman was great. And yeah, like you say, it really made you feel like you were getting insight into her. And yet at the same time, you were so clearly being shown the distance from Jackie, the real person. Yeah, and it's been really nice to get a few emails from listeners over the course of the year saying that they have gone to check it out and also were really impressed by it. And I really do want to encourage people, if you haven't seen it yet, that is a film you don't want to let pass you by. I really, really recommend it. Pablo Larraín, fantastic director, one to keep watching. Okay, my film that I would include on my top five. Is this numbered like for you it. then, Phil? So I'm not going to number you it. For not numbering it? Because I, uh, yeah, Ooh. well, you threw Ooh. it out, so I'm going to throw put it out too. Put in more effort, why don't you? Yeah, that's what I wanted you to do. <laughs> you did it, so I'm not going to. And I'm going to include Thor. What, a Thor Ragnarok? Yes. Wow. So I really wish I had my hammer. Hammer? Quite unique. It was made from this, this special metal from the heart of a dying star. And when I spun it really, really fast, it gave me the ability to fly. You rode a hammer? No, I, I didn't ride the hammer. The hammer rode you on your back? No, no, no. I, I used to spin it really fast, and it, it, would, it would pull me off the ground up into the air, and I would fly. Every time I threw it, it would always come back to me. Sounds like you had a pretty special and intimate relationship with this hammer, and that losing it was almost comparable to losing a loved one. It's a nice way of putting it. I think this is great. I had such a fun time at the cinema. I think it was probably up there as my most enjoyable experiences in the cinema. I, it was a breath of fresh air for me. And I think Taika Waititi did a, an astounding job, really, for what the character he had. He made something really unique and genuinely new in the Marvel Universe after so many films. In contrast to a film like The Last Jedi, this is how you reinvent something and yet stay true to the characters all in all in one. So, yeah, I loved it. And I think audiences loved it as well. I think Thor climbed those power rankings for lots of people in terms of his popularity as well. Yeah, well, it wouldn't be on my top five, but definitely an enjoyable film. Interesting film. I wonder what you've knocked off from our sort of pre-approved list to make space for Thor. Oh, in fact, it's obvious, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Ooh, uh, yeah, I wonder, Laurie. <laughs> well, my next one, listeners, is Wind River. Anyone here to see this one? 
See how the toes turned out? The front is much deeper than the back. That's says she's running. Come here, let me show you. She ran until she dropped here. See the pool of blood where her face hit the snow. Now it gets 20 below here at night. So if you fill your lungs up with that cold air and you're running, you can freeze them up. Your lungs fill up with blood. You start coughing it up. So wherever she came from, she ran all the way here. Her lungs burst here. She curled up in that tree line and drowned her own blood. Well, how far do you think someone could run barefoot out here? Oh, I don't know. How do you gauge someone's will to live, especially in these conditions? But I knew that girl. She's a fighter. So no matter how far you think she ran, I can guarantee you she ran further. Yeah, an interesting film for a few reasons. Obviously, thanks to recent events, it's been in some headlines. Again, you might have missed the story, but it was distributed by the Weinstein Company. And Taylor Sheridan, the writer-director, and all the producers of the film worked incredibly hard to get that removed. So it's interesting. You can look it up online. There's some interesting stories about it that they demanded that the Weinstein Company remove all trace of their logo, their name, everything else from the film to allow it to exist on its own terms. I think in film, in my opinion, it's all to the good because it is a really wonderful and powerful film, superbly acted, amazingly directed, given that it's a debut, not perfect, but amazing, incredibly written, and it just all the hallmarks of Taylor Sheridan's apparent gift and talent for writing. It comes off the back of Sicario and Hell or High Water. Jeremy Renner's great. Elizabeth Olsen is wonderful. And so much of the film, it deserves the praise that it gets. And I really want it to be in contention for Oscars. I really think it's, uh, particularly with the, the message of the film, it's a real shame that it's been tarred at all by, it's unbelievable, really. by yeah. that brush. And it would be a real shame to not acknowledge the great filmmaking, the real talent that's been both on the camera and behind the camera. Uh, Jeremy Renner, interestingly, has just been revealed to be the the most bankable star or something, biggest return on his investment. So the, oh, get, so the, the, the opposite end of the spectrum to people like uh, Johnny Depp, who costs loads but delivers much less. Yeah, Jeremy Renner, apparently, for his money, is the best film star you can hire and put in your movie. He returns the most. And he's great in this film, as Laurie said. I think the whole subject of the film is unusual and probably not that frequently treaded by cinema and yeah, it's great. It's well acted, well scripted, brilliantly tense, in, and at the same time, spacious and thoughtful. Yeah. And I think lots of people might have let it slip and by. So check it out, Wind River. So, so I take it that's in your list as well? Yes, it was. Yeah. All right. What's your next film? I'm going to include one which you didn't manage to see, but I don't think you'll be that surprised because you thought, oh, I really should have talked about it. It was yeah. that culturally significant. It was Get Out. Do you find the being African American as more advantage or disadvantage in the modern world? It's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Hey. Yo, my man. They were asking me about the African-American experience. Maybe you could take this one. Oh. Well, well. I find that the African-American experience for me has been, for the most part, very good. Although... I find it difficult to go into detail as I haven't had much desire to leave the house in a while. <laughs> <laughs> We've become such homebodies. Yes, yes, yes. But even when you go into the city, I've just had no interest. The chores have become my sanctuary. 
get out. Sorry, man. Get out! As Laurie rudely interrupted, this is directed by Jordan Peele and written by him as well. Yeah. Uh, previous background is sketch comedy and, and mad TV and things like that. And Key yet, and Peele, is it? Yeah, he's involved with Key and Peele, yeah. yeah. And yet here he's written this really bizarre and unique horror film. I guess it would count as a horror film, but it doesn't quite sit well in that. It's almost like satire and racial tension seem to be the real driver of this film. It's meant to be a comedy as well. I heard someone say it's been entered into a comedy category. It wouldn't surprise me. There's a, there's a real... He's, he's a guy with background in comedy and he really right. uh, uses moments where it seems appropriate to put in a bit of humour. There's a really great character who's a TSA agent and he's the, the guy that um, Daniel Kaluuya is calling when Off he's... Of Johnny English? Yeah, yeah sorry. He's, uh, he's calling his friend, being like, this is really weird. All these white people are acting really strange around me. And uh, this, this guy is great. The TSA agent guy is just so funny and a real nice counterbalance to the tension that's going on. But it doesn't undercut it. It's a yeah, really right. well-judged film with, um, with scares that aren't really the typical type. It's not monsters jumping out of the closet or anything like that. It seems to be a real sense of filmic technique building up tension so that you feel as uncomfortable as the main character does. And uh, some really great performances all round it's just an interesting film and i'm still trying to sort of work out exactly what it's saying uh, in terms of its message but an interesting one undoubtedly it's interesting that uh, a couple of horror films this year or technically horror films have completely dazzled the box office apparently completely by surprise as well because get out was a massive box office smash wasn't it and then it as well also dominated the box office do you think i'm just going off script here phil but do you think that says something about uh, the state of the industry not really. I think what's interesting about it is these are horror films in inverted commas, but they seem to be much more cerebral and engaging beyond just sort of B-movie slashes or anything like that. It was this cultural milestone and reference point and Stephen King, everyone knew about him, Stephen King's It. It would seem to be taking the horror genre and actually trying to tell a story beyond it. It's not just about scares. Well, it's you know not what? that sort of gore, horrible films like yeah, Saw yeah, yeah. and yeah. Hostel and things like that. Well, it makes me wonder whether horror might become a sort of beloved genre for indie filmmakers or people with something to say because the nature of horror is transgressive. The whole point is to go beyond boundaries, isn't it? And the shock or disgust or whatever else it is. And so if you've got an interesting message... That's an interesting medium to use, isn't it? Because you're not working hard to be particularly sensitive to people's tastes. If anything, you're pushing the boundaries of taste so you can get your message across. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I think as well, horror is the the one genre remaining that isn't uh, necessarily constrained by the same budget requirements. So yeah, sure. you can get sort of these middle of the road sort of expensive films for horror but not that expensive in the big scheme of things so you, it's a quite a good place for directors new directors new ideas to be cultivated and developed more talent to be going through that horror channel and then sort of exploding into the major genres that become blockbusters thanks fan i'm gonna do wonder woman my uh <clears throat> name is captain steve trevor pilot american expeditionary forces serial number 8141 Nine two one. That's all. I'm at liberty to assign to British intelligence. What the hell is this thing? The lasso of Hestia compels you to reveal the truth. That is really hot. What is your mission? Whoever you are, you are in more danger than you think. What is your mission? I am a. I am a spy. I'm a spy. I'm a spy. 
I don't think this would be on your list, Phil. Uh, I liked it for certain. I think it, people have attributed it with far too much meaning and significance. I think it's a good film directed by a, a talented director. Like, I, I, what, what, <laughs> you what can't see Phil's wavy, flappy hands. I'm, right I'm whapping. I'm, I genuinely don't know what more you. In some ways, I feel drawing more attention to it is, in some way, a disservice to the film. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Uh, as more significant than it is, it's a good movie directed by a talented person well, with, I, a, I with dis- a good I female lead. I slightly disagree with you there because I think amidst. Uh, so much talk and thinking and pressure, you know, good pressure to force change in the industry of cinema, uh, especially to do with equality and the apparent disparity between male and female pay and role significance, everything about that. It's odd that you say that because I, I thought this was a film that did it the best way possible which is to use a female director because she's good at directing and to introduce a new female star into one of the most masculine genres of cinema and fiction in the world, the comic book genre, yeah, and not actually make a big song and dance about it within the film. So the film itself doesn't... I don't think it references its place and its significance at all. Which I really like. Exactly, this is my point. That's why I think it deserves to be praised, because it just gets on with doing all the things that you need to do, which is show that women can be amazing as superheroes. Like, female superhero characters are just as interesting and charismatic and charming and dynamic and powerful as the male superheroes. And they can do everything. They can do comedy. They can do action. They can do heroism. Do you know, like, everything about the film just really, really worked. And I think Patty Jenkins... Uh, you know, showed that she's a more nuanced and subtle director than Zack Snyder. And she really made a name for herself right in the middle of Zack Snyder's world. And let's not forget, Zack Snyder is the man who brought us 300. Like the most macho piece of cinema I think there has been in the last 10 years. But what I will say is, did you know that Zack Snyder was involved with the story? Of course he was. And like I knew that. And we talked about it in our review. You can even see his directorial hand at play in a couple of scenes. Like the least good scenes were the ones that were most reminiscent of the DC comic book verse or whatever it is you call it. And obviously the scenes where Patty Jenkins had more of a say and wasn't constrained by studio things, blah, 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 just seems to be the most powerful. So I think Wonder Woman is really deserving of it. And I'm not even going to remotely deny, Phil, and you'll roll your eyes at me, that having a daughter and seeing the way that she relates to female characters in TV, in books, in films, it feels significant to me that here is one that I, I really like and I think is powerful and it's, it's just timely. So there you go. No, no, I don't don't get me wrong. Don't, like, don't put the idea in my head that I don't care about that sort of thing. It's, I do. You're, you're saying it shouldn't be in the top five just because of that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and also I think it's a good film in its own right. Let it be a good film. It doesn't need to have this baggage of this uh, wider context put on it. Let it be what it is. And it's a good film. I, I enjoyed it. I, I had a good time. I do time. genuinely think it is remarkable that it was. it's all been achieved in the way it was achieved through that film because there have been lots of other films that have tried to do something similar but have been way more self-aware about it so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah i give you that credit but and also it's um it's really interesting that it's managed to make way more than justice league right. even though that still has wonder woman in it it seems to be that really audiences respond to good movie making done well with good characters i agree i think this movie is just as good it fair play to it it done well it's- well i'd be curious to know whether listeners think that is patronizing me to put it in there kind of for that reason but i i i don't feel i hope it isn't because I do think it's a good film. I enjoyed it. We both enjoyed it, didn't we? Yeah, and except I, for the I, mustachioed villain at the well, end. Well, yeah, and some of the CGI action was just nonsense. But I guess kind of par for the course in these films, and I blame Zack Snyder for that, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> and not um, to yeah. put a little sour grape on all of it, I thought Chris Pine in particular was really good in that film. He was film. great. It, their chemistry was, it really worked, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But there you go, Wonder Woman. Okay, I'll uh, lower or raise the tone or something. I don't know which way I'm going. But I'm going to say Borg v. McEnroe. Listen to those jeers. I can't remember a single ripple of the net where the crowd has made this much noise. On this side of the line, Mr. McEnroe. Hell, the ball, the, the chalk flew up. The ball has been ruled out. Excuse me? It was a good call. It was a bit of a scramble. You can't be serious. You cannot be serious. It was a the good ball is on the line. Chalk flew up all over, man. The chalk flew up. He saw it. That's why he's walking all over it. Everyone saw it was in. You cannot possibly call that out. I'm going to issue you a warning for unsportmanlike behavior, Mr. McEnroe. I didn't think I would love a movie about um, 80s tennis people so much. <laughs> and yet I found it compelling, thrilling, uh, engaging, cerebral and brilliantly acted. And and with so much energy and vitality to it, it felt very authentic and real. You've got a brilliant performance by the guy playing Borg and a brilliant performance by the guy playing McEnroe. It, it just does what it says on the tin in a brilliant way. And it was really interesting. Uh, somebody, I was talking to a friend of mine who listens to the show and she was saying, uh, you should do a comparison between um, Battle of the Sexes and how it shoots tennis yeah. versus Borg v. v McEnroe and then also Wimbledon and see what's the key to shooting tennis That's well. a good point. Be, and I, especially and I, in, a, in a film that ultimately isn't really about the tennis. No, and that was the thing which was really interesting is uh, Battle of the Sexes, which I wasn't a massive fan of, compared to this film, they're both centrally about people and tennis is the format in which they com- compete. Yeah. And the tennis doesn't really matter. And yet I found the tennis in Borg v. McEnroe thrilling, even though in some ways it, it really didn't matter. It was more about what the the match meant for the men and where it left them in their legacy and things like that. I thought it was a brilliant film and uh, I can't wait to see it again when it comes out. And I'm a bit gutted that nobody's been able to see it because yeah, it hasn't right. had much of a release. I've not seen it, Phil. I've, I'm really keen to see it. And the fact that Shia LaBeouf is in it doing a good job, I, I'm pleased about yeah, I'd really, really recommend it if you can find it on streaming services or if you see a DVD in Sainsbury's, buy it. There we Other go. Other shops are available. <laughs> <laughs> They're still, no one's paying us for it. It's still absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Borg McEnroe, thanks, Phil. And all right, my last, uh, my fourth, rather, is After the Storm. Uh, you got a <laughs> Well, I've gushed a lot about this filmmaker and this film in particular, Hirokazu Koreda. You know, people saying he's a new Yasujiro Ozu film, that famous Japanese filmmaker he did, uh, what's it called, Late Spring, I think it is, I can't remember. Have you heard of him? <laughs> Real famous. <laughs> he is, no, people who are listening who know him will be like, Laurie, what are you talking about? Because he's very, very famous for doing these kind of domestic dramas and things. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved this film. It was another lovely surprise in a sea of screenings. I thought it was achingly real and just beautiful. And the, the major thing I've been saying to people recently while I've talked about it is that if I talk about a film that is really naturalistic and not much happens and it's slow paced and the camera's really still and it's the minute details of everyday life, Phil especially, you know, if he hadn't heard me talking about this before, would just be like, oh, snore, like, I have to bring a book, won't I, that kind of thing. And the thing is, you can see films like this that are done really badly and are really boring and are really pretentious. So that makes it all the more remarkable because I think anyone 
as long as you've got patience for subtitles, because it is Japanese language, it will be transfixed by this film. It's uh, a dad who wrote a novel, was successful, then became lazy, couldn't write again, uh, lost his wife and his son, and ended up being a slightly sleazy private investigator, making bad deals and things. And he's trying to recover his life, trying to find his way back to his wife and his son. But he doesn't realise that he is the problem, and he seems unable to stop being the problem. And it's just heartbreaking. And it has my favourite scene with a grandmother <laughs> uh, in cinema. I don't know, maybe ever, where they're both eating ice cream that's too cold and they're having to smash through the ice at the top. It's great. I really want to see it. You got two of these DVDs for Christmas, yeah, I didn't get After the Storm, but I did get uh, Like Father, Like Son and Our Little Sister. I'm very excited to watch them both on Blu-ray. Can I borrow them afterwards? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. Okay, cool. You can watch it with me, Phil. Wouldn't oh, that be fun? No. <laughs> That's so mean. You talk over everything. Uh, people, Good job I, it has subtitles. <laughs> he is a great director. Really worth watch when it comes out. Well, now, Laurie, I, I've already said my favourite film of the year so far, which is Wind River. So oh, really? I've kind of had a loss here. And so you said... Just well, that's only fill four it up films with something else. This is only so, four films. This is your fourth, man. I know exactly, but I don't know what to do. So I'm going to say, let's talk about La La Land, maybe. <laughs> I should probably tell you something now to get it out of the way. I hate jazz. Are you okay? What do you mean you hate jazz? It just means that when I listen to it, I don't like it. Yeah, but it's such a blanket statement you don't like jazz. What are you doing right now? Nothing. say that they, you know, hate jazz. They just, they don't have context. They don't know where it comes from. It's that musical that everyone was talking about and then you went to see it and it wasn't that good. What? But was is it good or wasn't it? Who knows? It's one of those films which is as divisive as any other, except for maybe The Last Jedi. Right. It was brilliant and at the same time, slightly disappointing people seem to love the fact that it was bringing back the old school vibes of 1950s and 40s musicals they love the setting of uh, hollywood and los angeles and ryan gosling and emma stone have great chemistry and yet at the same time there was stuff that just didn't quite match up for me personally i had a great time watching it and i thought i could i could forgive lots of the things that other people seem to have a massive problem with lots of people seem to really have a problem with the ending and uh, where it left the characters they felt like oh has this been a waste of time this film what's this this film saying but i think there's so much to enjoy i think there's a real it's a real shame really that the, all the oscar buzz around it kind of overwhelmed the film and didn't let people discover it on its own i think if it was seen almost without knowing what it was and all the hype around it i think a lot of people would have come out feeling much much more positive about the film uh, I think it was crushed by its over-expectations. I think you might be right there, Phil. And it has been interesting to see people reappraising it recently. I saw it over the Christmas break uh, with my uh, in-laws. And uh, we've had an emailer who got in touch, uh, say they recently watched it as well. So maybe we'll come back to that in a minute or two. Thank okay. you for bringing it up. Uh, should I give my film of the year? Before you actually do your final one, um, yeah. I don't really have a final one. It's all kind of been a, a bit of a well, mishmash. We, we contributed together, you know. Yeah, Jellified, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, it's yeah. all become one. I think I should say another thing about another Oscar winner, and that was Moonlight. It was the best picture last year, controversially beat out La La Land to get it in a very Only unusual fashion. A, the envelope mix up, mm. but yeah. But it was a great film. It was wonderfully quiet and and actually poetic. And lots of people have been criticising me for that Patterson review that I did. You know, yeah. when I said Patterson was so <laughs> lame and who likes poetry. And this was 
just to say, I'm not entirely against films that are a bit artsy. I loved um, Moonlight. I thought it was brilliantly performed. I loved the fact that it was told in three parts and each part seemed to link together. And the fact that three actors played the same character over those three time periods. And yet it was wonderfully cohesive. I remember you saying like delicate and detailed and it wasn't sensational, even though, you know, it could have been given its It really could things. have been. And yet it was intimate and personal. And that's a great, and great Naomi thing for a film to Harris be. And Harris actually acting brilliantly as well. Yeah, she's not in it very much. <laughs> uh, all right. So What's my film, your film of the year, Laurie? <laughs> my film of the year is Paddington 2, as you've already spoiled for us, Phil. Boo! <laughs> so, I'm going to ask one of you to come up here and open the fair. Volunteers! Anyone? Meeny, meeny, miny. Bear. Oh, let's have the young bear. Wine pop. Come, young Ursan. Up here, my furry friend. Very good, very good. Now, your name is? Paddington Brown. Oh, well, of course it is. You are my new neighbour. You live with Henry and Mary and the great Mrs... Now then, I suppose you know who I am. Oh, yes. You're a very famous actor. Oh, Pooh. <laughs> or used to be. Now you do dog food commercials. <laughs> well, a man has to eat. Dog food? <laughs> I really think it deserves it. I know you think I, it's not really my pick of the year or whatever, but you're wrong, man, because I, I do think, and maybe this is just because we've been doing it for a while, but I feel like my personal enjoyment in this film was so unexpected for such a family-friendly and demographically-friendly film that I, I really think it deserves it because there will be none of the other films that we've listed, I think, will have as broad a range of appeal and as successful a hit rate as Paddington 2. Almost everyone I know, except you, who've gone in to watch it, has been really kind of surprised. Even, they, even if they're expecting to enjoy it, they're surprised they enjoyed it so much because it is all working in exactly the way that it's supposed to. The cast is perfect. The script works. It's very neat, very tight. The CGI, while not great, and Ben Whishaw, while not great, Paddington himself works as the ultimate driver of the events of the film. The Wes Anderson-y beauty of some of the storyboarding and direction is great. The score isn't just totally whimsical and annoying, but it is you know, emotionally impactful. And lots of people apparently cry at the end as well. And the biggest thing, perhaps, controversially even, I don't know, is that Hugh Grant is just amazing. He is so funny and he acts so brilliantly and with such apparent sort of disregard for self-respect, like he's willing to be completely made fun of, that it, it, everything about it, I think, is a joy. And that goes right down to if you're six and watching it with your parents, to if you're, I don't know, 88 or whatever, and want to enjoy a good slice of old-fashioned fiction. So there you go. That's compelling, isn't it? You believe me now? Listeners, <laughs> uh, I actually do. I think I'm in the minority. I think I might be the only person in England who didn't like this film. <laughs> and I can see why people loved it. I really can. But for whatever reason, it didn't connect with me. I had to endure uh, seeing the extended family over Christmas and literally being having people say, I have a bone to pick with you, Phil. You were hounded. How could you not like Paddington the Bear 2? It was the best film of the year. So I know I'm completely not the typical person. And maybe I'm dead inside. Who knows? But I think Laurie pretty much nailed it. Well, There's I, lots of I love. Just think, like, in a year I just didn't love it. <laughs> of like big entertaining blockbusters that actually are failing to do their job. This is one of the ones that sets out to please everyone and appears to have done it. That is remarkable. I think that's genuinely remarkable. I mean, we're going to talk about some of the bombs very, very briefly because we've gone on for quite a long time. And you'll see just how remarkable it is. Why don't we talk about our big disappointments, Phil, quickly. 
Well, my big disappointment, I won't do what I was going to say in Paddington Bear 2, <laughs> but I think my biggest disappointment of the year was Justice League. I thought it was an atrocious that movie. That was your biggest disappointment? I really? think it was just shambolic and almost unforgivable that they couldn't, they still haven't managed to work out after all this money spent, after all this time, how to pitch it. I understand that there's all this stuff with the back, the background of the movie having a lot of personal tragedy and things like that. But I think what, what, I really objected to was the fact that they thought that this was an acceptable movie to release. And well, as you'll know, listeners, I disagree with Phil on this one, but that, yeah, fair enough, man. You've got to hate that stupid CGI mustache. Yeah, that was ridiculous. The fact yeah. that they weren't able to just think, oh, let's wait or something and actually but do they this couldn't. properly. We talked about this already. It's because they had to hit the cinema ahead of Christmas. Just do it in January. <laughs> uh, look, let's not go down that alley again. Uh, my biggest disappointment of the year, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is Star Wars The Last Jedi, which uh, I was thoroughly disappointed and even sad about. Um, we'll come on to that later. You seem to be emotionally like bereft at the. Not what really. It's done. I think I'm overplaying it a bit. You know, Phil, it's a podcast, isn't it? You've got to the show. Um, uh, but I was, I was incredibly disappointed, and I thought it didn't. It, it just everything about it was a letdown. Are you a little bit relieved that you don't seem to be the only one like we were with Rogue One? It's surprising to me, and I think there are a lot of people who don't like it for different reasons than I don't like it. Clearly. But, I mean, this disparity between the sort of official rating versus the user rating is bonkers. I really um, wonder yeah. what Disney is thinking and mm, how they're I, yeah. interpreting all this stuff. Are they saying, oh, it's just some sort of nasty fans that I just I don't think they've made any vocal. statements, have they? Ryan Johnson has, but I don't think Disney have yet. But I might be wrong about that. But anyway, I, we, we I can't, really... let's not do this, man. We're going to do it on the Star Wars special. Okay, okay. Uh, I'll zip it. You were disappointed in it well, as well, surely. I was, I was. But I think I... I could forgive it some things, and I saw some good in it, but overall, I thought it was a badly made saw film. Saw some good in you. <laughs> Still good in you. I could change you. I could save you. Turn back uh, to the light. Um, I think another film I really, really didn't like this year was Snatched, that um, awful, oh, Amy awful Schumer. Amy Golly Schumer film. Holm. It was not a film. It was terrible. It's unfunny, boring and dull, a sort of weird mix of vanity and laziness i didn't think that was possible surely if it's a star vehicle for yourself you would try really hard to make it good but it just is it's just meaningless and waste of time and money and it really reminded me of those ricky gervais films that he was releasing yeah just empty and vapid and goldie horn this legend of uh duo comedy films she brought back out of retirement to be in this film and what, what a waste yeah no I mean, and actually that does seem to be a fairly common opinion that it didn't please audiences that she film. has not had a good year really Woo. no I wonder what yeah I wonder what she'll do next year I maybe try and be funny no ouch oh don't listen to this show oh zing 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 uh, I can't comment I haven't seen film uh, my next big disappointment is probably it's not really a disappointment it's just a film I really just loathed in almost every respect was Churchill I and mean, we talked about that with Brian Cox in it interesting that The Darkest Hour is coming out and apparently there's Oscar buzz about this one but Churchill was I just thought a disgrace I thought it was boring I thought the script was tedious in the extreme and in terms of why this film got made your guess is as good as mine the historian who wrote the script admitted to playing fast and loose with the facts because she wanted to present a different view of Churchill everyone knows he's flawed but no one wants to see a Churchill who just winds around that no one listens to him that's not a film that's not a film it was just it was so terrible I, I, like, I don't think I've heard from anyone who's seen it so Maybe I did too good job of slating it. <laughs> yeah, it was all but that to you. I, I would yeah. like to know whether I just have got it wrong, but man, I, I hated that film. Listen, that is a little bit of a sour note to end on, but there you go. It has been a year of mixed films, I think. Uh, some really, really big smash hits, others not so good. 
And what we'd really love to hear is what you thought of this year in film. What would your top five be? What would your lowest of the low be? And so you can get those in superbabybros at gmail.com. You can tweet us at superbabybros. Love to hear your thoughts and uh, send in those plus ones and minus ones if you completely disagree or agree with Laurie or myself. Phil, did you like your email song compilation? <laughs> Is it bad if I say I did? I played it a couple of times. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, Slay Me as emails backwards. I, man, I laughed at it a lot. I, it was funny <laughs> to me. What was weird about it was that you don't realise that you're doing a thing until sometimes it's presented to you in a different format. Mm. And I didn't realise that I give you. I never go with your stuff. No, you I did. always give you a deadpan. Yeah, I think I need to write some guidelines. <laughs> and it's almost oh, like it's, it's creepy. It's that almost was... like it's intentional, but it isn't. That's no, just, it's just, just reality. Just, we naturally carved out these roots these grooves that we're stuck in you know well that's how it goes so would you like to give us technically the last one of this series uh okay yep here we go uh i'm gonna say tweet 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 us and we will read it out for you because it's the middle of the show and we're hearing feedback now emails (laughs) it's not so good even even (laughs) even when i don't want to do what i normally do i can't not do it because it, it was, was terrible. Really it was, weird, wasn't these it? These are literally off the cuff. Yeah, and you had your arms out like you were a bird as well. So <laughs> add something, you know. You, but to be me, the character, maybe, method acting, you know. Uh, De- Robert De Niro, ooh. Philip De Bailey. Well, let's see what people think. Hey, listen, thank you very much for sending us stuff. We aren't <laughs> going to. <laughs> I'm trying. I can't say for staying in touch or being in touch because it'll just make me laugh or hate myself. So <laughs> I'm trying to avoid it. Um, we haven't. We're not going to be reading out emails on Star Wars, and a lot of you have sent in stuff on Star Wars, so we're going to hold that off for later. But thank you very much for doing so. Uh, we've got some emails that have come in a, a little while ago because the, the schedule's all off. Anyway, let's, let's be honest, Laurie. We're cleaning house a little bit. Yeah, well, for the new a, year. a little bit. So let, let's just go for it. Here we go. So we got an email from the Khans, and they wanted to tell us about the death of Stalin, which I still don't think either of us have seen. I really wanted to. I just couldn't get around to it. Never lined up. The screenings were really late. And yeah. I'm sorry, it was hard and yeah. Yeah, well, this is what they say. We don't need to see it now, Phil. Here we go. The death of Stalin, informative and not as much in bad taste as I feared, although definitely black humour. Quote, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely comes to mind. The classic. Good performances in the main, occasionally hammy, but enjoyable overall. The very fact that the central most powerful figure and anticipated natural successor to Stalin has been effectively airbrushed out of history is perhaps the most salutary reminder of what totalitarian regimes can do. Wow, that's wow. a very stark deep, and serious response right to the, this movie then. Then regarding the relationship between books and films, that is a long time ago, Phil, do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, they say Les Miserables is an epic story told over two volumes. I love the musical on stage. I then read the unabridged original book and was blown away by the depth of the characters. In particular, the Nadier is shown to be thoroughly, viciously wicked, utterly self-serving with no shred of likability in any aspect of his personality or actions. Is that Sasha Baron Cohen? In the the musical version, Mm. yeah. Ultimately, he fails in everything. So when I saw the film musical, I found I was irritated and not at all amused by his comical portrayal by Sasha Baron Cohen. I think perhaps that's why i've not really enjoyed the film nearly as much as i wanted to the original musical is great the book is even greater the liam neeson film is good but sadly i now conclude that the film musical misses something essential despite some excellent scenes and songs which thing is the essential thing i, I guess it's not miserable enough yeah <laughs> <That's> <laughs> okay what it's called i'm after all i mean we we saw uh, bits of the musical every christmas it was on tv yeah eddie redmayne's weird weird haircut that's the thing we talked about quite a lot yeah he seems to go in like, saw... opposite direct like in unfathomable <laughs> it's impossible sort of directions. comes forward at the sides and then goes up in the middle and it's sort of like a weird it's a strange wave. it's like a the meeting of waves isn't it it makes me wonder whether he's losing his hair at the uh, temples because that's the kind of thing you do 
like to cover that sort of stuff up. You brush it all forwards and then a massive ski slope <laughs> quiff at the top. But then in uh, Fantastic Beasts, he hasn't got that haircut at all. No, I think you true. sort of thought it was an Eaton's rich boy thing. Yeah, well, it's quite a common thing. Like sometimes very uh, apparently wealthy and well-to-do people have hair that defies logic. I think even Robert Pattinson occasionally looks like that. If you ever see him in interviews, that guy's hair is like, what's happened? I don't He's understand. sort of a weird mangly beast. Yeah, he's an odd sort of chap. There we go. All right, but there we go. Um, interesting uh, thoughts there, the cons. Uh, I haven't seen that Liam Neeson... Jeffrey Rush version for a long time, but I remember being very impressed by it when I saw it. Mm, I'd like to see it again. I nearly thought, I'll read the Le Miserable, I'll get the books. And I took it from um, <laughs> our parents' shelf. And then, <laughs> and then I remember just thinking, mm, I'm not going to be, I'm not no. going to do this anytime <laughs> no. too. It was a long time. We were young when we saw it, but there we go. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Importance of Being Earnest. This is an old film with, um, is it Rupert Everett? Must be, isn't it? Yeah. Or am I thinking of um, that other one? I can't remember. The, uh, there was a version with, uh, what's his name? The guy from My Best Friend's Wedding. A Hugh, a Hugh Grant? No. Oh, that's Rupert Everett, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is terrible, isn't it? Let's keep going. <laughs> In my opinion, there is a shocking, totally unjustified insertion of an amoral situation ethic in the very last shots of the Colin Firth film, which is not present in the play and undercuts the wit of the entire plot. Wow. In the play, he discovers that, after all, he was earnest all the time. The film shows a book entry suggesting he wasn't, but he still says he is. Similar things could be said about the Count of Monte Cristo and Captain Corelli's mandolin, but running out of finger ink on our phone. Okay, fair enough. These uh, are all uh, movies which are tied to books and whether or not knowledge of the book changes how you view the film and all that sort right, of yeah. stuff. It does seem odd that there's people seem to think, oh, this classic masterpiece, they didn't do it well. Let's add in a couple of things. And yet at the same time, there's other versions of the films, uh, of, of books that have been highly praised because of uh, little tweaks they made. Like, for example, The Mist. Have you seen that film? I haven't, but I know what you're talking about. Liam Neeson again, isn't it? No, no, no. You're thinking of The Grey, my friend. Am I? Yeah. The Mist. I thought The Mist was a like post-apocalyptic thing. It sort of is. They all get stuck in like a... It's got Toby Jones in it. It's got um, uh, Tom Jane, I think it is. Tom and They all get Jane. stuck in um, a convenience store and there's this mist full of monsters and weird yeah, yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, I know the film. I'm yeah, yeah, sure and the, the ending got changed in the film and Stephen King said, yeah, that's way better than mine. No Super, way, did he? Way, way better. That's very humble. And uh, that, yeah, it's strange, isn't it? You Normally, that's so much worse, but then there you go. I, seems to, I mean, I different. certainly agree with you, Carnes, on the Count of Monte Cristo because the ending, uh, can we spoil it, Phil, or not? Um, it's an old film now and an even older book. I think you can say it in a way that doesn't give away too much. Fine, fine, fine. Let, let's, so in the ending of the film, it's very Hollywood. So there are reconciliations and everything kind of going back to the way it should be that just do not happen in the book. The book is much more committed to its theme and explores the fact that consequences are inevitable and they're always direct. Even if they come, you know, down several ripples, you can't escape them. Revenge is never a good option. Exactly. So although that whole film and book seems to be about him taking revenge and righting all the wrongs, the book commits to that premise and says, well, that can't really be done. And what's more important is what you do with your own sort of feelings of resentment and anger uh, all that sort of stuff so yeah I, I, interesting yeah we should do some more of these really enjoy the show from we and me or myself and herself there we are there you go thanks Carnes. and we've got an email here from Ella B Phil Ella B hey. yeah uh, hi lads happy Christmas time love the 100th episode you crack me up thank you very much ah. haven't been to the cinema or watched any films in a long time but just got a chance to watch Daddy's Home at the cinema because Star Wars was sold out and I'm so happy it was what a silly film but it made me smile almost the whole way through I thought Mel Gibson was a bit weird to start with <laughs> but then I really liked <laughs> Lots him in it that feeling. <laughs> yeah yeah she really liked him in it by the end it's Will Ferrell so it's stupid but lots of funny moments. Would definitely recommend to anyone wanting something light-hearted and Christmassy. 
Keep up the good work. Nice to hear about the movies, even if I can't get to see very many. <laughs> uh, also, rewatching Harry Potter at the moment. Which one do you think is the best? I think we've answered that question, haven't we? Uh, I think we concluded, I really like uh, Harry Potter 6 and 7.1, but I think the third one is the best one. Generally, yeah, and I think that's not just our opinion. That seems to be the overall consensus, doesn't it? I've got a very soft spot for the first Harry Potter film, but actually I rewatched that fairly recently, and uh, we should talk about it, Phil. I made a couple of notes that I haven't thought of before. Uh, yeah, so we should talk about that. Um, I think you might have talked about this before. Yes, sorry, Ella, for repeating that point. But just want to keep a lookout for the one you like most. Prisoner of Azkaban, thank you very much, Ella B. And we've got one from Johnny as well. But before we come to that one, because it's, it's quite a, a long and thought through one that made me laugh, Phil. I'll just do a couple of very short tweets. Esther got in touch and said, Number one, what are your thoughts on tinsel? I'm against it, particularly on Christmas trees. I've realised that it's not, it's a very quick way for making your tree look very ugly do you think so because mm. i mean i actually it's interesting you say that esther because you can find my on-air thoughts on bbc berkshire <laughs> talking about tinsel <laughs> what Strangely. are your on-air thoughts uh, well basically i said i don't understand why it's suddenly out of fashion and it's not really allowed because i remember especially as a child being really excited when the tinsel box came out and you knew exactly the kind you wanted there was always a slightly ratty like gold tinsel <laughs> the, it was uh, very like you know barbed I mean? wire <laughs> yeah it had like gaps in it like a rat's tail that's been chewed <laughs> off or something oh but you, what you want is maybe like a purple one that is really like fulsome and the very sort of feather flush. boa. Yeah, exactly. And I remember being really excited about that and to drape it on the tree. And I, I think it's kind of a shame that it's just not seen as cool anymore. And now, now every tree sort of looks cool whether you want it to or not because you know the natural symmetry of the tree is obvious. I, give me a tinsel thing; it makes it look like a hunchback. <laughs> I think I prefer that. Basically, I, I don't know. I felt that this year uh, Ellie decorated the tree and she did a fantastic job, made it look very classy. And I felt, wow. What a classy tree I have. Well, there you go. I mean, that's probably happened to me too, to be fair, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> My dude loves uh, classy Christmas decorations. I, want, I meant to say, I meant to do a shout out for this ages ago. Can I shout out to Wendy, who's a lady we met when we went uh, Christmas decoration shopping and she saw my daughter longingly staring at a snow globe that we were not going to buy because it was too expensive and she apparently Wendy was so entranced by my daughter's childlike innocence and wonder at this snow globe that she gave me some money she pressed some money into my hand and said buy this for your daughter and I was like oh, God, that's too generous but she insisted and said enjoy your children so Wendy <laughs> thank you so I've told you this haven't I before? yeah you did yeah. I mean, it nearly made me cry right there in the shop it was too too much for me right there but thank you very much Wendy that snow globe has been a source of fun and <laughs> you wonder. know what that tells me what your daughter has inherited your get me free stuff gene <laughs> the knack for the free stuff she's definitely been uh, playing on the heartstrings getting chocolate out of me and stuff yes she's good at that isn't she she's she's got a few techniques up her sleeve that we're trying to you know encourage her not to use <laughs> they're a bit too powerful uh but yeah thanks so thank you for that wendy i hope that answers your question esther uh she actually got in touch again to say la la land just watched it at long last remind me why it won oscars See, see earlier points <laughs> Zing. the thing is it's interesting because it does remind me of the fact that when we saw it Phil we saw it months ahead of its release do you remember that yeah we saw it in like a screening thing we in did it down in London it was great Leicester Square yeah Leicester Square and when both came <laughs> that's weird that that's a thing Leicester Square <laughs> no one's going to understand that there we go well if you listen to 100 <laughs> you would um, you have to listen really fast so like the end of 100 <laughs> the like, endless list of bonuses I put on at the end uh, anyway look when we came out of that screening we both spent a while talking about the stuff we thought didn't work in mcdonald's i believe yeah and it was strange because as we saw it again the film kind of grew on us but certainly our initial reaction was like what i don't understand this and it's the hype yeah. it's the hype but it wasn't that hyped when we watched it for that me, was kind I, of why. i heard a lot of hype for it had you okay mm. and but it's yeah anyway so esther i don't think you're alone certainly and it is one of those films that's just too big really for its own good i think and i think what it's trying to do is be a really good old-fashioned musical 
and it doesn't quite understand that in order to do musicals well, you have to really, really, really you got to You've got to really commit to that one. And your yeah. stars need to be really all singing, all dancing. And the songs are going to be catchy. The vocals are going to be really clear, which they aren't. All the that sound mixing was really bad. That well, was, thought, that was a massive Achilles heel for it, yeah. Strange, strange. I was, certainly, my father-in-law was not impressed. He was like, sure, you don't know when they're going to burst into song one minute. <laughs> I couldn't tell you a thing that happened. <laughs> I think I think musicals aren't really his thing, Phil. Right. Uh, yeah, all right. And I also want to say a uh, big thanks to Benedict Seal, who stepped in for me on BBC Radio Oxford recently. Well done, sir. And he's giving us lots of thanks and tweets and things. So very much appreciated. Nice job. You get the seal of approval. And closing off with Johnny. Hey, fellas. Recently, I watched a film called The Intern on Netflix. Uh uh, that is a film I have studiously avoided, Phil. Anne Hathaway and Robert De Niro. And I think it's Nancy Myers. Is it really? I think it might That's be. just bad news. It's about Google, basically, isn't it? Oh, let, let's do this. Uh, looked from the trailer to be some sort of odd rom-com with Anne Hathaway and Bad Grandpa. I wasn't so sure, but my wife wasn't feeling like watching anything intense, so we put it on. Up front, I want to say there are a number of things that really annoyed me in this film. And one thing that was terrible, and I think actually is something I really don't like about films. So here are the things that annoyed me. Number one, they told us that Anne Hathaway's character was busy an unbelievable amount of times. Firstly, you see in her opening scene, she's running a business, cycling around the office. You think this woman looks busy. <laughs> that probably would have been enough. Like, you get the idea. And then someone explains that's her bicycle. She cycles it around the office because she's so busy. Literally, that is the line. This in itself was stupid. The office was actually quite a small, open plan warehouse thing. I did think that actually it would probably be quicker to walk <laughs> rather than use a, a clunky Dutch bicycle to navigate a maze of desks, etc. <laughs> then her husband says she's really busy. The people in the office routinely say, you're so busy. Her pa says she's busy. She says she's busy. Her mother phones her and tells her she's busy. Her daughter says she's busy. It was unbearable. It felt like you were being treated like a kid. I got the idea. Number two, you would never hire a retired elderly intern. Basically the premise of the film. It was just stupid. <laughs> Sounds like it was not your film, Johnny. I mean, that's kind of, that's the hill you have to get over before you even choose to watch it, isn't it, I think? Well, he didn't choose to watch it. There you go. <laughs> well, number three, they tried to add random bits of meaning that were actually meaningless and didn't have anything to do with the story. Number four, everyone was essentially incapable of the startup business apart from like three people. That is something that really winds me up. And it's the same... Uh, lazy screenwriting that, that gives us the uh, evil rom-com rivals. You know, the love interest that's so horrible. That no it just one, doesn't make any sense. No one would ever go out with them, so you're glad when they get dumped. And this is the same thing. It's like you have a company full of such idiots that you can introduce someone with the most basic ideas of how to run a business, and they, like, turn the whole thing around. That's why I'm not even about Chef with John Favreau. It's like his son puts up on Facebook their little van, and suddenly the streets are lined with people. <laughs> like, that's how Facebook works. It's just so dumb. It's yeah, really, really annoying. Really yeah exactly so i'm with you on that one johnny but the one thing he says that really was terrible essentially the film had a not so hidden feminist agenda and i'm not against this he wants to say these are johnny's words everybody uh, in fact i would probably argue there needs to be more films that promote strong female leads and characters but sadly in this case it was so backwards in reality that it was damaging it basically said if you're a feminist then you are to love your c career above everything else the major conflict to the film is that anne has set up a very successful startup which she loves but she's got super busy and that means it affects her family life her role as both wife and mother at home she at one point thinks the thing to do would be to cut back at work to help her marriage and her role as a mother but robert de niro says i don't want to be the feminist here does he actually say that 
Crikey, I don't want to be the feminist here, but why should you have to give up your dream to make your marriage work? The thing about this is that therefore the film is saying that if she, a successful busy woman, were to cut back on the amount of work she was doing to help save her marriage and be a mother to her daughter, then she wouldn't be a feminist. And I wonder if you guys have seen the film, he says, I'd recommend watching to get your opinions and also wonder if anyone else had a similar reaction to it than I did. That is a little bit problematic, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it'd be really interesting to hear other people's thoughts because I think this is a never a simple straightforward thing and uh, it's complex in the world it's complex in movies as much as anything else and uh, you, you I, talk I'll about the you, f word there sorry the feminism you mean mm. uh, so what i'll say right up front johnny is that uh my opinion my sort of top line opinion is that it's very hard to encourage change on a societal level even more so on a global cultural level and you have to use blunt instruments sometimes to make your point so I have much more sympathy for laying out an agenda than uh, other people perhaps would because I sort of recognise that you sometimes just have to be completely, do you know what I mean? Like basic about it to get the point across. It does, does do you not think it, that sounds like a very patronising film and also a misleading one, which is saying this is kind of what I mean, career is more important than If you are someone like, like Johnny is, who is going to take that thought and chew over it and think about it, you'll see some of the problems with the way that it presents the issue, but that's not going to necessarily affect you because the likelihood is you probably thought about it and you want women to be able to work, you know? But while you also don't want to tell mums you're lazy or, you know, you're not a feminist for being a mother, you know, that you probably thought about it enough. But there are some people possibly out there for whom this is a new thing to think about. And does that sound patronising? I don't want to be patronising. I'm just saying that films, there's a global audience out there. And so if you're trying to say something, occasionally you have to be a bit more heavy-handed than you want to be. Maybe this is my own personal values. I feel like uh, you should never put your job over your marriage. Okay. That sounds like a really bad idea. Well, I, the thing is, man, who you don't know about the marriage, do you? Like, I don't think I don't think we should get drawn into this because I think this is my whole point: is that it's always more complex and more detailed than you think. But it's funny enough that you mentioned that because another Anne Hathaway film always bothered me uh, was uh, Devil Wears Prada for the same sort of reason. She that was she wants, just not a very good film. In no, opinion, I think it actually is quite a good film. You it's, got, it's got a weird sort of uh, charm to its world, but she pursues this career in fashion because she's she really certainly wants to be, not a very likable person. Yeah, yeah and she's she's really horrible to her partner, her um, boyfriend, the the curly haired locky guy. Um, but then the thing is, in that film, sorry, we're, gonna, we're really getting into this discussion, aren't we? In that film, she's not presented necessarily sympathetically, is she? She's presented as someone who sells sells herself short in lots of ways. And yeah, but then also, I think she doesn't really get her comeuppance. Like they seem to forgive her for a lot of things. She like cheats on him, and uh, and there, there's nothing ever really happens from that. Yeah, but there, I mean, this is this is why I, I'm I, I'm going to I'm sort of backing away by saying this again. I, I think <laughs> you're looking you do, to bear the face of walking slowly back. You do occasionally <laughs> need to use blunt instruments to do stuff, and I think. There are many, many films where, for example, a male character would have a similar arc and not receive their comeuppance. So why do we have to see like, Anne Hathaway get her comeuppance? Sometimes, like, actually, something that you and I, Phil, have cried out for before, it's just a wide variety of roles for everybody, men, women, whatever. Like The point is, have good characters. And often a good character is one who isn't someone who suddenly becomes super noble by the end. And actually, maybe they don't learn all the lessons they need to learn. And they leave that to the audience. So having an unsympathetic character who sells her friends out to pursue a career and doesn't necessarily pay for it, that's like true to life, isn't it? Do you see what I mean? So 
I I have mixed feelings about all of this sort of stuff. I'm going to say my thing again. Sometimes you have to use a blunt instrument to make a point in a, a globalised medium. There you I go. feel mixed in response to that. Well, there we are. A very Johnny. interesting email, Was that a Johnny? satisfying discussion for you, Johnny? I thought it was interesting, yeah. We'll jump right on in there. There we go. Okay, this is turning into a long email. It's a great email, though. Thank you. We also watched Labyrinth of Lies, <laughs> a German film about uncovering the truth behind the Holocaust in 1959. Interesting. I thought it was very, very good and worth a watch. Won't say much more here. Sounds interesting. Yeah, I've not heard of it, I'm afraid. Happy 100. Thank you very much, Johnny, for the email. Uh, good stuff, right? That's it for this week. Thanks very much for those who got in touch. You, <laughs> you can, can reach start us. saying that catchphrase mm, Yeah, I like the catchphrases. Big or small, us. we love them all. I do love them. Big or small, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can reach the show, superbaileybros at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at superbaileybros. If you'd like to be on this part of the show, then do get in touch. And um, yeah, you don't necessarily need to do something profound and deep like Johnny did there. But if you want to, go for it. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're, the whole thing was about creating discussions and things. I do want to say on that one from Johnny, I wanted, I've always wanted this podcast to be a discussion about films, not about politics, and certainly, you know, not about uh, just issues. So if you want, I'd love people to comment on Johnny's things, but let's try and keep it film-based, if at all possible. <laughs> yeah, it's in the realm of films, not yeah, in wider yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of... It's not, don't start quoting statistics or anything and like when, that. Yeah, we, won't, we, just, we, won't, we probably won't read emails out like that, because that's not the kind of discussion that we, we frame for the podcast. Is that okay thing to say, Phil? Yeah, just keep it about a film. If it's based on a film, we'll read it. Nice. There we go. Okay. Thank you very much, guys. Superbellybros at gmail.com, at superbellybros on Twitter. Uh, next week, or perhaps, well, soon, we'll do the Star Wars email special. So keep an ear out for that. And do send in your stuff. Yeah. Well, Merry Christmas, listeners, and a Happy New Year, depending, of course, on when you're listening to this episode. And thank you very much for tuning in. Yes, thank you very much. It's good to be back after the 100th. It doesn't feel like we're really back, though. Because that's it, why it's a holiday yeah, special. We're recording this in a different place again. We've done that a lot recently. It's a difficult um, time of the year. It's lots of transients. And yeah, it's true. That's we, why I wait for that first episode of season three, and then it'll be back into the normal When's that going to be, though? Is that going to be next week Next or time it fits. Next us. time. Because <laughs> I don't know whether we'll be able to keep doing it on Monday, uh, on Wednesdays, really. Rather. let's talk about this because i wonder whether we need to change around our schedule to make things a bit easier but anyway look listeners that is for next year who cares right now right <laughs> you're having a nice time off i hope new year's eve in whatever state it finds you is enjoyable for one of very many reasons and uh, that you have a great start to 2018 pop over in the champagne well we're, we're pretending we're doing it now five four <laughs> three two one happy, happy year! year ready old acquaintance be forgotten some the other Laurie, one Laurie. I don't know yes and then the champagne sound effects okay. yeah yeah that's okay, great there you go Laurie Enjoy thanks on. so much for all ready cheers clink yummy happy new year everyone oh, Jules Jules Holland you slay me man that's so he's hilarious. got no neck has he I, I can't wait to hear the ah, happy new year everyone happy everyone's having a miserable time on that show Hootadani Hootadani it looks so boring because it's definitely pre-recorded yeah. it's not live and like so many so few seats for so many people and imagine if you're that guy who's dressed up like a clock or whatever it is (laughs) do you know what i mean yeah wow okay happy new year listeners speak to you soon the alternative to those you watch like gary barlow doing like an anthem really yeah is that on another show is it no brian adams did it last year he was (laughs) brilliant no i love that i thought that was great the guy has still got it man pish pish we need to move on man (laughs) merry no happy new year (laughs) bye bye Got a little bit of a bonus. I suddenly had, and I need you to play a little bit of uh, additional material to kind of support it. The story. Is it one that's going to take me ages to track down? No. Okay. It's using Star Wars clips. I suddenly had a, a moment. I suddenly had a moment where I um, finally knew what it was like to be Biggs uh, Darklighter oh, in yeah. Star Wars. Well, I, was, 
<laughs> I can't see him. I can't see him. Like I genuinely was at a um, I was pulling up to a roundabout with lights on it and everything like that, and I was yeah, in the yeah, middle yeah. lane, so I, I knew the car was behind me. And then suddenly I just heard sirens and like blue flashy lights, and I was just looking around like oh, I can't see I can't this see guy. Him. Where is he coming from? <laughs> and it's suddenly they sort of mixes of fear and like oh no, I'm gonna get like hooted at by the police, and I'm gonna feel ashamed because I'm really, not I'm in their way or something. <laughs> Can I, and, I need? To, I feel like I need to pause you there because I really hope this doesn't finish the way that that scene does for Big Start Lighter. No, I don't another car coming in and blowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. No, no I was fine, but right. it was just this horrifying moment of genuinely being in a vehicle, being in like a little ship, not being able to see anything. I knew yeah, it was there. Like, I was looking around and I just couldn't see anything. It was all in my blind spots, and it was just terrifying. Well, and that's I made why me think, it's such a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, Bigs. All I could think was Bigs. Poor Bigs, man. He had it's a tough rough being Bigs. He did. I was thinking, like, there's some quite good lines that would be nice to take out of context with Star Wars, but it is very, very hard to find a joke that hasn't been done. Like, you you know, Phil, I had some minor success on YouTube with uh, oh, yes. Luke Skywalker as the worst pilot ever and just crash landing into everything. He literally stuff. crashes all the time. Yeah, and that did quite well for me. It was annoying because I use a Beach Boys song, so they get, they get the these royalties. It's so annoying seeing Sony pick up the tab for that one. It's got like 100,000 <laughs> views. It's really annoying. Anyway, uh, but I was thinking, like, there are some good lines. I can't, I can't shake him. It's great. And also, loosen up. Like, you can, you can really recontextualize those. Because like, if you say, <laughs> if you play, people. I can't shake him the right way, it sounds like I, uh, I can't shake it. I can't shake it. And, like, uh, you could do, like, dancing. Can't shake it. Loosen up. Are you with me on this? This is, this is the way my mind works a yeah. little bit. But you might uh, need to play the actual clip so it makes sense. Yeah, I suppose so. I wonder if I can find any other dance-related ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, there we go. Uh, we are going to be doing uh, a quiz of sorts that we have done, which is fun. Yeah, and well, I mean, that's, um, my, <laughs> that's such a great tease. I can't wait to get to that quiz that we have done. Let, yeah. me, let me let me do this again. <laughs> a nappy performance, nappy performance, nappy <laughs> like Spice Girls. Um, do you become one? You know? Yeah, no, that's not appropriate. <laughs> <in this laughs> metaphor. Sorry, just cut that bit out. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. And I am going to quiz you based on what you quizzed me on last time you quizzed me. <laughs> I'm so sorry, quiz. 